Good morning, everyone. I'm going, oh, good morning. <laughs> nice to see you this morning. Um, I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 13. That's from the New Testament, and I'll be reading from the NIV. You can follow along on the screen. We also have some Bibles up the back, or you can use your smartphone. All Bibles welcome. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, uh, feel free to go uh, up to the info desk after the service. We do have Bibles that we, that we give to people if they have need, um, so you're welcome to, to do that as well. Okay, raise your hand if you've got, got the passage. Yeah. Only a few of you. Okay. <laughs> Might give a little bit more and then we can follow along here. Okay. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is God's word. Thank you, Emily, for reading. We're in a sermon series where we're looking at the book of Romans. It's called Reading Romans Backward. I'm not going to go into all of the reasoning behind that. I think you've probably heard that a few times now, but the uh, sort of subtitle of our sermon series is Forming the Transformed Community. I'm just going to set things up here so I can control. So last week we were looking at being a community of peace that looks upward. And this week we're looking at being a community of peace that looks inward and next week a community of peace that looks outward. You could sort of sketch it a bit like this. If, if we're a community of peace, we are because, we, first of all, we have peace with God and that's what this table is about that we've just shared in together. We have peace with God and because we have peace with God, then we can have peace with God's people and peace toward others. Uh, it seemed this up in out 
is it's a bit of a theme through scripture and it seemed to me that it would be appropriate just to uh, remind us of our church vision and uh, some of you were here when we had a, a vision night uh, week before last and we have a couple of statements in our church we have an identity statement and a vision statement um, and really the identity statement is about who we are and that's us there in the car Who, who's on this journey with us we are together on this journey and uh, we're a family of faith following Christ to freedom that's our identity we have a, a vision statement which says that we want to see all people transformed by God's word and spirit for faith in Jesus Christ and that's really where we're going but the question could be asked well how do we get from here to there uh, and we want to suggest to you that that's the mission. The mission is what we do to help us get from here to there that allows God to help us get from here to there. And it's bounded by faith, hope and love. Um, and as we disciple people to faith in Jesus, that's the up. We invite them into a loving spiritual community. That's the in. And this spiritual community we share our stories of hope to the glory of God that's the out um, so up in out disciple people to faith in Jesus invite them into loving spiritual community and share our stories of hope to the glory of God that's just an aside uh, but I thought with us doing up in out last week this week and next week it was good just as a, a bit of a um, I guess just helping us to see how these things fit into who we are as a church here at WDBC. All right, so this week uh, we're looking at being a community of peace. We have peace with God's people. Uh, let me pray for us as we come to God's word. Lord, we ask that as we consider what your word has to say today, that we will have hearts and minds that are open to hear your spirit speaking, that we will have tender hearts ready to receive your rebuke if needed, your encouragement. that we might take your word and apply it in our lives, both individually and corporately as a church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, last week we looked at being a community called to peace who is upward looking. We looked at uh, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 where Paul appeals to them to offer their bodies as living sacrifices and and so we're an upward looking community of worshippers offering our whole selves body and mind to God and um, there was the motive and the measure and the manner in which we do that today we're a community that looks inward and the big question today is how can we live in peace with each other how can we live in peace with each other here in the church we call ourselves a family of faith following Christ to freedom freedom from sin and its eternal consequences freedom from strife freedom from conflict 
But sadly, in churches, there is conflict many times. As Christians, we do have disagreements and and very often as fallen human beings, sinful human beings, even though we're a new creation in Christ, we frequently fall back into actions and behaviors that hurt others and hurt ourselves. And people get hurt and leave the church. And I don't know if, if, if you're following anything on social media, you're likely to have seen that the, particularly in the US, but all around the world, there are stories of people who are calling themselves ex-vangelicals. Right, we call ourselves evangelicals, but there are people who are leaving the church who are calling themselves ex-vangelicals. And there are people who are deconverting. And very often these people say that they still love Jesus, but they've been so hurt by the church that they want nothing to do with it anymore. Many years ago in another church, I vividly remember a church meeting in which there was conflict. We were a church that was in transition period between pastors. We had a very godly, elderly, retired minister from outside of our church who had come to chair our meeting and assist us in making some difficult decisions. And I don't know how it got to this, because when you're thinking about calling a new pastor, it shouldn't really have anything to do with the music in church, but the discussion had somehow devolved into talking about the music in church and I still remember there was a young man who was a young Christian who became very upset that the older believers were not considering the needs of the youth. Ironically that scenario seemed to me to be an example of Paul's discussion in Romans chapter 14 that we've had in recent weeks about the strong and the weak. It's ironic because the older Christians, who are supposed to be the more mature Christians, who ought to have been the strong, were actually the weak because they were insisting that certain music be played in church rather than recognizing that as long as the lyrics were honoring to God, we have freedom in Christ to worship him with any style of music. But they were the ones who were strong in power in the church. And they were setting up a stumbling block for a young man who was weak in his faith. As far as I know, that young man is no longer following Christ. And so this is the real tragedy of conflict in the church. And so the question is, how can we live in peace with each other? You might ask it another way, how should we act toward each other? How can we actually be a community of peace that builds one another up? A community of peace where we actually love to come and we enjoy being in one another's presence and we find encouragement That's the question that we're asking today. And the big idea is that grace and love motivate us to act in humility. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, we read, 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. How can grace and love motivate us to act in humility? We remember a couple of verses earlier that it's because of God's mercies that we respond to him. We've just remembered at the communion table that, that God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us made us alive in Christ. God doesn't give us what we deserve He reaches out and mercifully offers us new life. And because of that mercy, and and Paul says, because of the grace given to me, because he has been a recipient of grace, he says, therefore, we should think of ourselves with sober judgment. In other words, don't have an ego. It's so easy, though, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but... Uh, You know, in my head, when I'm thinking about anything to do with church, um, I I always think I'm right. (laughs) Whoops-a-daisy. But there's a a very real temptation for all of us to think, well, why doesn't everyone else see it the way that I see it? And, you know, when we come to church meetings... This is a, a time where it's very easy for us and, and perhaps more easy for those of us who are leaders in the church to feel like, well, my way is the right way or what I think about this is right. And Paul says we must, because we're recipients of grace, we, we didn't save ourselves because we are recipients of grace. Therefore, we should have a sober assessment of who we are. We shouldn't think of ourselves too highly. Now, um, you would think in Australia, because of tall poppy syndrome, that you know we might have knocked this out of ourselves. But uh, ego is is such an insidious. Um, it's an insidious temptation. Pride. You know, the Bible talks over and over again about God opposing the proud but giving grace to the humble. And so we should have a sober judgment of ourselves, a a sober assessment. And and that includes recognising that, yeah, we are sinners saved by grace and that, yes, we will get things wrong, I will get things wrong. And as we think about things in the church, decisions that have to be made, or as we think about coming together with one another, it's really important for us to accept that we're not going to get everything right. To be willing to acknowledge when we've done something wrong and apologise and seek forgiveness. I had that instance um, not too long ago in our church where I had uh, responded to someone in a way that was not loving the way it should have been and was not sensitive. 
and it dwelled on my mind for about a week or 10 days and I reached out to the person and asked for forgiveness. And as Christians, we must have that sense of not thinking too highly of ourselves that somehow we think we never make things and we never do things wrong or we never make mistakes. We will make mistakes. It's just part of being human. But in that circumstance, hey, talk to your sister or brother. Seek their forgiveness. Don't think too highly of yourself. We're a community of peace when we recognise and respect the contribution of others. The, the passage goes on to talk about each of us, according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned us, that we, we ought to think about ourselves with sober judgment according to that measure of faith. But incumbent upon us is if we're thinking of ourselves in that way, we ought to also think of our sisters and brothers and respect them because part of ego is to, in order to try and build ourselves up, we often try to knock other people down, don't we? Uh, I don't know about you, I, let me just sort of explain to you something that happened in my past. So. I was quite young when I felt called to go into pastoral ministry. I was 16 years old when I felt that calling from God. And in those early days, before I actually became a pastor, and probably even in my early years as a pastor, I, I would often look at other preachers or other pastors, and in my ego to try and make myself feel good, I'd pick out the faults in them. Oh, I can do that better than they can. Have you ever been like that? Maybe, maybe your gift is singing and you look at a singer on stage and you think, oh, I can sing better than they can. And you might not even be on the roster, but it's, it's this insidious temptation for us as humans because we're trying to build ourselves up that in order to build ourselves up, we want to knock other people down. Oh, you know, that person that did children's ministry, oh, I could have done much better than that. Oh, that, that slice that we ate at morning tea, wow, that's nowhere near as nice as the special slice I make. You can tell that I'm not talking personally here because I don't make slice. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean, don't you? If we're to have a sober assessment of ourselves, we're not to do that at the expense of knocking other people down. Well, I'm not, I'm not so good, but that person's terrible. What? Friends, we're to recognize and respect the contribution of others because God has given us gifts by his grace. Now we talk at the communion table about the grace that God gives us in terms of salvation. That he's redeemed us from our sin. But the spiritual gifts, 
here that are listed in this passage, these are gifts of God's grace. And when we knock someone else down, we're disrespecting the grace of God that has been given to them. How can we as recipients of his grace dare to do that? To disrespect his grace as displayed in one of our sisters and brothers. So if we're to have a community of peace, we must recognise and respect the contribution of others. Another part of having a community of peace, though, is recognising that God has given us gifts of grace. We're, we're told in 1 Corinthians that everyone has a gift. And here we have a, a number of gifts listed. And in verse 5, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, gifts of grace, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, now it goes on and lists a number of other gifts, but that idea of using your gift in proportion to your faith is, is really an idea that's intended to carry through all of the gifts of grace. It's only mentioned that idea of using it in proportion to our faith here about prophecy, but the, the sense of the passage is that all of our gifts ought to be used according to our faith and it does take faith doesn't it to to use a spiritual gift because sometimes in order to do that you have to step outside your comfort zone to do something that God has called you to and in stepping outside of your comfort zone that can be a bit scary and so it takes faith in God God I you know I believe you've gifted me in this whatever it might be in hospitality in generosity Whatever God's gift to you, it takes some faith to step out and to use that gift. But we're encouraged to do so in proportion to our faith. I was reading a commentary by Leon Morris, and he says, without faith, that's a bit small to read, isn't it? hope you can read that. Without faith, none of the gifts can be exercised. And faith is the standard whereby they are to be estimated. If we take this with full seriousness, seeing God as the sole author of the gifts and ourselves as totally dependent on him for them all, it is unlikely that we will be arrogant. It's a pretty strong point, isn't it? Humility proceeds from genuine faith. There is another thought here. When we see that God is the giver of all the gifts and that faith is the measure we will not deny our own gifts either. Being sober-minded means recognizing what God has given us and being zealous in its use as well as humble. Friends, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit has given you a gift of grace, maybe multiple gifts of grace. And where to use them in proportion to our faith. And there are a number of gifts mentioned here. It's not an exhaustive list. 
There's another list in Ephesians. There's another list in 1 Corinthians. But whatever your gift is, we're encouraged to use it. If your gift is service, then we're to use that gift in our serving. Everyone's called to serve in one way or another, but some people have a special gift in that. If your gift is teaching, if your gift is teaching, please put your hand up for children's ministry. We need more teachers. <laughs> We're so sorry, uh, boys and girls, that we don't have K-6 to uh, team happening, an unexpected uh, situation happened. and the... So, yeah, if you're able to teach, hey, we could, we could make... Uh, the opportunity available to you it might take a bit of faith. <laughs> you might think, oh, man, I don't know about standing up in front of a whole stack of uh, children in primary school or in preschool. Hey, we could use teachers in youth group too. The one who exhorts in his exhortation or her exhortation if you've got a gift of encouragement, please, please use it. Use it in our church. We, everyone needs encouragement. Yeah? Do you, do you think about yourself? Do you need encouragement? If you've got the gift of encouragement, please use it. The one who contributes in generosity. And we're grateful as a church that we have very generous people. And we, we celebrate that from time to time because of generous gifts over and above. But we thank you for your tithes and offerings, your regular giving. Um, and, and we also thank those who make special one-off gifts for various different causes. Um, James will tell us later in the, the church meeting, but we, we put solar power on and, and there's been some generous gifts towards that. Thank you to those who are generous. And if that's your gift, and did you ever think about the fact that, uh, yeah, giving is for everyone, but, but there are some people who are given a gift of generosity, a gift of giving, and they give even more because they're able to and because God has gifted them that way. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, do we have a sober judgment of ourselves? Do we recognize and respect the contribution of others who are using their gift of grace? And are we using our gifts in proportion to our faith? The second part of the passage moves from the gifts of grace to characteristics. It's a little bit like 1 Corinthians, where in chapter 12 we talk about the body of Christ, and then in chapter 13 we talk about love. And yeah, for Paul, time and time again, love comes through as the most important thing. And in the, the church, in our church, love is so important. We're to love without pretending as family members. 
It says, let love be genuine. In, in some translations, it's um, let your love be without hypocrisy. Um, who's ever come to church with a, a face on because something's going on in your life and you just want to put on a brave face? Yeah, I have. You don't have to put your hand up. That's okay. I, I'm pretty sure that probably most people have come to church that way at some point or other. Let your love be genuine without hypocrisy. It needs to be real. We can put up a loving front and say, oh, you know, oh, that's so wonderful, but inside we're, we're not really caring at all. It's funny that after let love be genuine, he, he goes on to talk about abhorring what is evil. You know, because real love is willing to actually stand against things that are evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. You know, that, that sense of brotherly affection, it's... The, the word here is, it's, a, it's like a conflation of two words. And the idea is that it's like the love of a parent for their child. That's the sort of love we are to have for each other. You think about your children. Do you love them? If, you, if you're blessed to have children. Yeah, do you love your children? Yeah. That's the sort of love you should have for the person sitting in the, the row next to you. Or the person five rows further forward or five rows further back. Or the person that has a difference of opinion about some particular issue in church. We're to love them as if they're our children. Now, I've got adult children. Some of you do. Uh, and we don't always agree with our children. But that doesn't mean we stop loving them, does it? We might, al we might not always agree with everyone at church, but we're to love them with that sort of brotherly affection that you have for your brothers or sisters, with that parental affection that you have for your children. John Stott, about this little passage, suggests that there are eight essences of Christian discipleship mentioned here in, in this passage. Um, a Christian disciple is sincere, is discerning, is affectionate, honouring, enthusiastic, patient, generous and hospitable. There's a whole stack of, of words there that describe how we ought to interact with each other. If we're a community of peace, then we ought to be aglow with the Holy Spirit. We read, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the Spirit. Be fervent in the Spirit. Be aglow with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work through you to, to bring to others in the church a, a wonderful um, a, a wonderful sense of acceptance, a, a wonderful sense of the love of God working through you.
When you're aglow with the Holy Spirit, you'll serve the Lord. You'll rejoice in hope. You'll, you'll have a hope. When, you, when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you're going to be alive with hope. You're going to be patient when hard times come. The Spirit will help you to get through those difficult circumstances when someone in your family passes away, when someone you love contracts uh, cancer or another terrible disease. And if we're aglow with the Holy Spirit, then we'll be constant in prayer. And those prayers will be powerful. Finally, we'll be a community of peace when we serve each other as we would serve the Lord. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Jesus, he welcomes us with open arms. Ought we not to welcome one another with open arms? We're a community that looks inward as grace and love motivate us to act in humility. Real love requires humility because instead of putting your own needs first, you have to put the needs of someone else first. And so uh, I urge you, I, I encourage you, in all our interactions with one another, as those who have received the grace of God, let us mediate that grace to one another in love and humility. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that we might be a community of peace here at WDBC. We recognise that the accuser, Satan, wants to create discord amongst us. But we've been so blessed to have received your mercy. And we pray that it will motivate us to love one another in humility, to have peace with one another as your grace is a blanket over all of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.